0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to Corbett Road's podcast, first edition for 2021. My name is Jeff McCoy, Managing Partner for Corbett Road, and I'm your host. And with me today will be Rush Sarabian, Head Portfolio Manager for Corbett Road. And we'll be addressing three major themes today. One is the economic outlook for 2021, the political landscape, potential for more stimulus and what taxes may look like down the road. And we'll finish up for what this may mean for the market this year. Welcome, Rush. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Getting right into the outlook for 2021, I know in our December Macromusings report, you sort of presented to our audience a 2020 outlook. And since that period of time, we started to see a slight slowdown in economic activity, a rise in COVID cases. Has anything really changed from our viewpoints in 2021 based upon these current events that have taken place? Thank you, Jeff.
1: The overall outlook for 2021, we're still fairly optimistic from an economic perspective. Although there have been more COVID cases and there's been a slight slowdown in economic activity in the first quarter, less spending, overall, we are seeing really positive impacts from the consumer and households. We think the housing market is going to be very strong in 2021. And I think most importantly, the Fed has committed to remain with an ultra easy monetary policy And why I say that's the most important thing is because the Fed ultimately historically has been what really derailed a previous bull market. So if you look back to all the major bull markets that have occurred in the past 20, 30 years, the Fed's always had their fingers on the subsequent bear market that followed. As of this recording on Friday, January 15th, the Fed has continued to say that they are not satisfied with the recovery. They're not going to assume anything with how quickly we come out of this pandemic economy, and that's very encouraging
0: for our outlook. So I would say outlook has not changed at all at this point. In addition, Rush, the topic that comes to mind is the Georgia elections that was just completed. It gave basically a tiebreaker to the Democratic Party and what that may mean from political landscape going forward for our listeners and our investors. Can you touch upon some of the potential stimulus and tax implications that this may have going forward and what implication that may have for the markets? Absolutely. The surprise Georgia elections, it was expected before that
1: the Republicans would win both those seats. And the reason that was expected is because historically, in runoffs like they had in Georgia, the Republican usually wins. The Democrats were able to squeak out victories there, and that does give them control of the Senate. They already have control of the House, and of course, they will have control of the presidency. Full control, or so-called blue wave, means that we think that there's going to be more stimulus and potentially higher taxes down the road, but let's focus on the stimulus first full control of the Senate gives them the opportunity to pass a much bigger stimulus than if the Senate had remained in Republican hands. And that's positive for the economy because the money that the government spending that will occur is going to help deal with some of these issues that we talked about earlier, which was the slowdown in the first quarter and potentially into the second quarter while we deal with COVID uh, trying to vaccinate as many Americans as possible. But 50-50 in the Senate is not a, uh, a mandate or a huge victory. It's going to limit what the Democrats in the Senate can do, most of the legislation that they're going to pass is through a process called reconciliation. And I'm not going to go into what that is on the podcast. There's not enough time, but our listeners can certainly Google it. Reconciliation means that you can only pass certain budget amendments, things like that. And major legislation, major tax overhauls are much more limited when you have the process of reconciliation. So in a way, you could almost say that it's, I don't want to say the best of both worlds necessarily depending on which where you fall in the political landscape. But more stimulus is a positive for the first half of the year. But a major tax overhaul, massive tax increases, we think are much more limited because they just don't have a lot of room. And there's a lot of moderates in the Senate on the Democratic side. They're not going to go for a major overhaul. And so some of those left-leaning policies and and hopes, it's going to be much harder to get through. So we think overall, it's fine, even if taxes do go up, We don't expect them to address it at all in the first half of the year. They want to focus on getting more money into people's hands
0: and then dealing with that later on. And Rush, going back to the economic outlook, obviously you had some very positive outlook of what we may see at the second half of this year. What concerns or roadblocks do you see that could potentially derail a second half recovery that pushes the extension, this recovery into 2022 and beyond? Right
1: now we don't have,
0: see a lot of major downside risk. If
1: the economic recovery does not take off in the second half of the year, as we expect, it'll probably push into 2022 and some of it maybe into 2023. There's a downside to that certainly, but there's also an upside, which is that will prolong and extend the recovery out. The hope is, is that any additional fiscal stimulus that passes along with the bill that passed in late December will sort of hold us over until herd immunity takes over. There's a lot of uncertainty around exactly when the economy is able to completely reopen up. And I don't just mean going back to normal with no masks and all that stuff. I just mean being able to have more travel and leisure and entertainment in some of the other areas that have, again, sort of locked down here as we go through winter. So overall, the risks are things don't happen as quickly
0: as we want, but I don't see that as being a major risk at this point. Thinking about A potential slowdown in the economy, maybe a dip into a recession. That's been kind of discussed a little bit at outside pundits who have talked about potentially that could come to fruition. What additional arsenal or options does the Fed have to be able to pull us out? I mean, we're at a zero floor interest rate. We think that the likelihood of a negative interest rate environment is slim to none. So, what options are available for us to be able to add stimulus to the overall economy?
1: Well, unfortunately, I think the Fed. Although they have some policy tools left, several actually, we think that it's more about keeping the credit markets flowing, keeping liquidity going, which will help the bond market and the stock market maintain their bull market status as they've been going through right now. The economy itself, we think that it will require federal support. The Fed can only do so much, they cannot create money in the same way that the government can. And so we're really going to be looking to see what. Sort of stimulus bill does pass. The incoming Biden administration did make a proposal, but it's just a proposal. It does not mean that that's what's actually going to be put into law. So it remains to be seen, but we will probably need additional fiscal stimulus if we get a bigger slowdown than we're expecting. At this stage, though, we're not anticipating a recession or a double dip in 2021, even with the first quarter slowdown. There's enough pent up demand, there's enough working in the economy that Recession is not the
0: most probable outcome. And I know you touched upon this briefly, but tell us a little bit about some of the positives that we're actually seeing that's different than maybe the 08 financial crisis from a consumer and a household standpoint. It's an incredible difference between now and 2008. Coming out
1: of 2008, most households, most consumers were decimated. It just went through a almost 60% market decline from late 2007 to early 2009. On top of that, the housing market, was decimated. Housing prices started declining in, I think, early 2006. And so coming out of the global financial crisis, households and consumers did not have nearly the strong balance sheets that they do now. It may be the single biggest reason why the economic recovery was so slow coming out of 2008. This time around, you just look, the market's at or near all-time highs. Home prices are the highest they've been since the mid-2000s. People are in just much better shape. And we think the biggest reason for that, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, is the incredible response from the Federal Reserve and from the federal government when the pandemic hit. The other thing is that the economy was much stronger going into the pandemic than it was going into the 2008 crisis. So there's a lot of difference, and we think that it will be the economic recovery once we can
0: get to that sort of herd immunity will be much stronger and much faster recovery than last time. In Rush, that leads me to a follow-up question. I know we're getting a uh, response back from listeners as well as our investors that talk about what they're reading from a bubble perspective or valuations in the current marketplace because of the run-up. Kind of give us an overview of how this also may be different, why we may be able to support a higher price earnings multiple than maybe what we saw in early 2000s. There's lots of differences between
1: now and the late 2000s. I think the biggest one and the one that we're focused on is where we are in the economic cycle. Right now, we had a recession last spring. We came out of it probably by the early summer. The organization that typically determines when a recession starts and ends has not called an official end to the recession. But at the beginning of a cycle, higher valuations, higher stock multiples are more sustainable. What happened in the late 1990s was the market had an incredible second half, 95, 96, all the way to 2000. Earnings were at a peak. They had run up significantly and prices had also run up significantly. And the economic cycle was tired. It was long. The expansion, I think, was nine years at that point. This time around, we're at the beginning. And when you're at the beginning of the cycle, you typically see higher price earnings ratios on the market. And so we're not terribly worried. Are there pockets of bubbles? Yes, there are certain IPOs There are certain other type of investments, which we won't mention here, that have really exploded higher in price, and those can certainly fall and crash, but we don't think it's going to take the whole market down with it. We think that the economic outlook, again, the support from the Fed, from the federal government as well, is able to keep these valuations
0: aloft, if you will. And it's fair to say that the earnings comparison from early 2000s to today is completely different. Earnings are coming from a very depressed location now. And the expectation is a rise of earnings in the second half. Is that correct? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, you're right. Earnings in 2000 or 99, 2000 were not from a depressed level. They were at a peak level. This time around, you know, earnings were down last year for a lot of companies. And of course, the structure of the market, the makeup of the indexes and the types of companies that we're talking about are very different now than they were 20 years ago. That can
0: affect PE multiples as well. Well, perfect. Well, Rush, wrap this up and, and give us an outlook really for 2021 and kind of what can we expect overall from a market standpoint? I think looking historically, there was a great study done by, I believe it was Goldman Sachs, that
1: looked at market performance if there was a recession or not. And when there was no recession, the market went down only 10% of the time. So if we go into 2021, assuming that we don't expect a recession, which we don't right now, for all the reasons that I laid out. With our macrocast score being positive at the moment, we don't expect another recession. So that bodes well for a decent market. The stimulus and the support from the Fed also is a net positive. The really only negative that we see is if all this stuff that we've been talking about is priced in by the market. The market is a discounting mechanism. It's it's looking ahead. It's trying to factor in all these different things. So if the market's priced in all this Positive news, including herd immunity, then maybe it just doesn't do a whole lot. But we are not expecting a major market decline as of now for 2021. That said, that doesn't mean the market won't go down, that there won't be corrections. That happens every year. We tend to forget after a nice big run, but we just had two 10% corrections basically in September and in October before the election. So We experienced this before. We will experience it again. That doesn't spell doom. That doesn't mean that we're going to have a major
0: bear market happening. I think what clients need to understand is usually when there's positive macroeconomic data that's there that supports the growth of equities, that typically correction periods we have well can be deep. They're usually very quick to recover. Unlike recessions, where it typically takes about a two to three year time frame.
1: You're right. If we do have corrections, they don't usually last very long. Now they can be deep, like it was in. 2018, late 2018. I think the market went down almost 20%. And while painful, it did not last. And 2019 was a very good year for stocks. So to remind you, as I mentioned earlier, the Fed is primarily responsible for ending bull markets, at least historically. They don't have any plans to raise rates. They're not going to stop the quantitative easing program this year into next year. They really want to see this economic recovery take hold before they even think about starting to tight monetary policy. So that's a very good sign for
0: the bull market going forward. Well, that all sounds good. Well, Rush, as always, I really appreciate your time today and Insight. I would like to thank our listeners for tuning in today. If you have questions about today's podcast, feel free to email or call with your questions. We are glad to help. Our contact information can be found on our website at www.corbeteroad.com. Until next time, I'm Jeff McCoy. Thank you.